Welcome to Community Pulse from Environmental Design Group, highlighting the transformations happening in our communities and celebrating the leaders making them happen. Tammy Naguki, her EDG co-host and their special guest, reveal insights that are driving our communities forward, right now on Community Pulse. Welcome to the EDG Community Pulse podcast. Today I am joined by Dave McCallops and Dr. Chris Miller with Fontis Blue. My name is Tammy Nagucki with Environmental Design Group, and I'd like to first uh, welcome everybody to this episode of Community Pulse podcast, and uh, welcome, Chris, especially to your first podcast with us. Hopefully, there'll be more in the future. Uh, I'll do a quick uh, introduction for you, Chris. Uh, Dr. Chris Miller is the founder of Fontes Flew Incorporated, an associate professor in the Civil Engineering Department at the University of Akron, and a registered professional engineer. His Fontes Blue firm specializes in water operations and treatment optimization. Chris is a member of the National Academy of Inventors and served in the United States Army Reserve as a staff sergeant. Chris, welcome to Community Pulse. We're happy to have you here today as our guest. And if we want to kick things off just by letting our audience know a little bit about who you are, what drives you, and what got you to the to your current position. Well, thanks, Tammy and Dave, for inviting me, and thank EDG for this opportunity to talk about uh, some important work that my company is doing. Uh, as you said, I have two hats, uh, both a professor and a business owner. Uh, so at the University of Akron, uh, in the civil engineering department now for about 25 years. So that's uh, an important hat and continue to do that. And then also uh, running Faunus Blue. Uh, so what drives me is I really you know, as a civil engineer, like uh, giving back to the community and doing things that make life better for our communities. That's what civil engineers do. Uh, so I've had the opportunity to train quite a few people that uh, work and uh, uh, talk about a little bit of that probably as we had the conversation today. Uh, so how did I arrive at being a professor? I had the joy of uh, nine and a half years of engineering school at uh, the University of Iowa. Um, so I, of course, say that facetiously, right? Say. That was, it was pretty brutal. Uh, but so uh, bachelor's, master's, PhD, and then uh, I call it kind of seeking the Willy Wonka golden ticket, uh, getting a faculty position. I think there were 80 to 100 people that applied for the job at the University of Akron. Uh, I probably shouldn't tell this, but I really wasn't in the first cut. Fortunately, somebody they offered the position to thought that the University of Akron was below them and didn't take the position. And then wow. uh, they redid the search, and I was part of that. So um, sometimes you just have to get lucky, right, and uh, prepare for that, of course. But So I uh, came in 1995 to the University of Akron. Uh, so how did I become a business owner? I was doing a lot of consulting work and uh, the research and drinking water treatment and public water quality health impacts and uh, so an opportunity there to create a business around that. Awesome. So Chris, Finest Blue was founded with a vision of supporting exceptional drinking water for everyone every day. So tell us a little bit more about the company and how that has how that company has impacted our communities. So forgive the professor. I kind of have to kind of define what do I mean by exceptional water, <laughs> right? So. Uh, water and wastewater is heavily regulated and has a lot of compliance uh, type things. And so the, those utilities are challenged with meeting compliance. And so that's kind of the bar standard for them relative to water quality. And so by exceptional, we mean raising the bar, doing better than even what is required by regulation. So uh, we 
emphasize that in what we try and do with them and kind of, again, just changing that bar with their, where they're striving for. And then the everyday part is that uh, there's been a lot of uh, examples where if you don't stay diligent and really look at trying to create that uh, high bar vision on a daily basis, things can quickly, whether it's like Flint, Michigan, you know, just small changes all of a sudden can cause some some uh, bad outcomes. And so we, we've created a company and a product and a service around making sure that that bar is monitored and kind of striven for uh, on a daily basis. When was that? When were you founded then, Chris? Was it? So we, uh, it's kind of when you're incorporated and when I kind of really that I'd say we had a space and had an employee. So we moved into the uh, Bounce Innovation Hub in Akron, nice. uh, previously the Akron Global Business yep. Accelerator, uh, in June of 2017. So it's just okay. been a little over four years ago. We had employee number one, and now uh, now you're up to seven, seven. employees. Yeah, seven employees, and so and Dave, where we. It's really the impact on the community. So uh, Akron had their best lead results in the history of the plant last year, going back to 1992. So uh, over 300,000 customers, you know, that risk, you know, again, the lowest in almost 30 years. Yeah. Um, we've had similar outcomes at other locations. Uh, the question isn't whether or not we have risks in our drinking water. It's just how much and how you, again, try to uh, reduce that as much as possible. So... Uh, also, in addition to lead and copper, there's uh, known carcinogens that are a natural outcome of our disinfection process. And again, it's not a matter of if they exist, uh, they are in the water, and it's just a matter of trying to keep those as low as possible. So we've helped many cities that were challenged with that, new regulations, they were out of compliance, but even probably you know, 30 50% reductions in those known carcinogens. So, so, so as a... What does that mean in terms of how do you do that? What does your company do and how do they help Akron and other water purveyors in, in improving their water quality? Yeah, so it's, it's part of that compliance. Obviously, they have monitoring requirements and they the data they collect. And I think over the course of this conversation, probably maybe even talk about some of the details, but it's a big level. They take that information and they probably weren't fully utilizing that information to make mm -hmm. Uh, some of those decisions and or things have gotten, uh, I call it the regulatory burden. And, you know, there's additional requirements, additional water quality challenges. We hear about these, uh, the fire retardant chemicals, PFAS, and those uh, lead and copper, algal toxins. So as those, you have more of those, you still only have a limited number of decisions. And so sometimes they would try and address one decision and it may be at the consequence of another. So part of this is using that data and then doing some pretty complicated machine learning, chemistry type things to make sure that you have acceptable trade-offs when you try and uh, uh, do those things. Because you can't, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? So it's not like we can minimize one. Unfortunately, we can't minimize all of them. Oftentimes, we'll end up increasing one to an acceptable amount, but reducing the other by a, a consequential amount, you know, 50%, you know, 50% less carcinogen for 5% more lead risk. Those, you know, those are the kind of trade-offs we help them uh, quantify and do that. One of the things that we've talked about is an example of how you do that and not only help improve water quality, but also 
help the bottom line. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. So, uh, so we we kind of look at there tends to be three things that we really really help. So the, I talked about the regulatory burden, and that continues to increase heavily regulated industry. That part. Uh, the middle part is a team building, sort of filling in some technical expertise gaps, maybe alluded a little bit to that. And then finally is that we do actually are very conscientious about, actually I probably should have, that is one of the tenets of the exceptional water, as you, Dave, I think probably caught that, is that we want to do it at the most uh, reasonable cost possible. Because, you know, in theory, you could have almost nearly perfect water if you gave everybody a home treatment system, but, you know, that's not plausible or you could put in, you know, multi-million dollar treatment systems. But so we really do focus within the current constraints to uh, uh, provide that exceptional water quality at a low cost. So we, the chemical dosing choices they make, uh, cost is part of that equation, not just quality. Right. And could you give us an example? Yeah. So, um, uh, so on a on a weekly basis, the city of Akron uh, will meet with their team. We'll look at the current quality situation. They know they have these water quality targets. We'll uh, put in that data, use our uh, chemical dosing tool, and come up and actually quantify what we're going to do, take action on that, make a chemical change, and then repeat that process. Uh, we actually do it twice a week. Um, and... Uh, monitor those outcomes, and and it's uh, I think probably smiling. But we're a result that we saved over a million dollars last year uh, from uh, 2019's budget cost to 2020 by doing that while having that best water quality in the history of the plant. So uh, it almost that part almost seems too good to be true, uh, but it's oh, possible. That's really fascinating. And I'm coming from coming at this from not a technical perspective, obviously. <laughs> so. I'm kind of amazed at all, you know what all goes into our just having clean drinking water and you know a lot of things we take for granted obviously. So a lot of communities listen to our podcast, Chris. So I'm wondering um, what can you share out? You know what is Akron doing that could be replicated in other communities? Yeah, so I think that uh, uh, obviously very proud of being at the University of Akron, homegrown city of Akron, Akron being I think a world leader in multiple aspects. And they've also then been a leader in helping support the smaller communities and wanting to make sure that those things translate to the smaller mm -hmm. communities. So they've been very supportive in that, even separate from Fontas and different initiatives. And so what we've done is uh, we've taken what, you know, because they have more resources and uh, find a way to translate that now into a platform that's cost effective for these smaller communities. So uh those best practices have been honed and hardened with, you know, a large staff and lots of people and lots of input. And now, uh, whether this is my army training or background, is it how you then make it repeatable regardless? Right. And so um, in those different quality aspects that are applicable to all, uh, uh, regardless of size. So, you know, you have to disinfect the water. You have to, I mean, those regulations are the same regardless of community size. And so now... Um, every key iteration, I have to be careful, I can't give, you know, Akron too much credit here, right? But they, every key iteration they've kind of challenged us with has led to implementing that in our platform. And then the goal has always been so that it could be 
cost effective for the small utilities. Uh, that's that's so. great news. Um, and I, I'm assuming in your role with Fontis Blue, you've had a lot of different initiatives that come up in processes that you're developing. Um, do you want to share any of those with our audience today? Yeah, so the um, uh, looking forward, or just even yeah. as we, we develop, yeah, so looking forward, I think that uh, we've kind of naturally as these challenges have risen, uh, been able to pretty much work with our key customers and get that feedback. And uh, so uh, I think you go, I can remember getting a call from Jeff Bernowski, Akron Water Supply Manager, when Toledo happened and hearing about the algal toxins and, you know, all these people that couldn't drink water. And he was like, what if this happens to us? And, you know, just that at that time, we really didn't have a plan and we quickly scaled up and do that. So I think there's been this key, we really do rely on the you know, our customers or the community saying, hey, this is what's a concern of ours and sure. then, you know, following that process. So um, I think that uh, looking forward, we're kind of back to that team piece that, uh, and we learned a lot of this from COVID, mm-hmm. um, was that uh, we were, I call it BC. I always say that <laughs> even before COVID, that's my COVID, my team. Yeah. I like so, it. Yeah, BC, we were already, our business model was to provide this support virtually we just thought that that's cost effective, right? It doesn't mean, I mean, I like the personal relationship, EDG, and, you know, I mean, you know, working directly with people. But our business model was, hey, if we're going to support the small utility in Utah, you know, we can't, we're not going to have an office there. and You know, we need to be virtual. And so we were doing that. We were having the weekly meetings with the Akron staff doing that process. So COVID accelerated that process for our mm-hmm. customer to make it more natural. So that was a um, – so we were going down that path, learning how to do it. But this really kind of removed that doubt about, hey, we can build meaningful relationships and do meaningful work virtually. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I think that's kind of been one of those – we pivoted last year to making that a key, like not just being software, but software plus a service and – uh, in fact, an accelerator actually, we were, there's a big competitive accelerator program, 300 companies, we were down to the final 20, probably a significant investment at, at stake. Uh, and we got kicked out because we were too people oriented. And I actually took that wow. kind of as a badge of courage. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, that, uh, that, uh, you know, that we weren't just like some scalable software platform. So obviously, I don't think they got it or understood the you know, wow. industry. Now, fast forward a year later, we're accepted into the premier water accelerator program in the country. It's called Imagine H2O. It was announced in April. It runs April through November. And they got it and understood the industry is, you know, these um, the, these people need that support. Sure. And so, Oh, that's great. So you, you mentioned a little bit about how you were you were already virtual that helped your clients become more comfortable with virtual were there any other things that you needed to do or end up doing to adapt to the covid period that we were in not bc but ac i guess (laughs) yeah so maybe again fortunately the that we had a couple key team members that uh you know things happen in a good way go to Detroit because they get married, you know, and leave leave the area. So we had a little bit of the mobile team challenge before COVID again. Um, also, so 
I think that that's still now, after COVID, we're still trying to figure out, you know, how much of our own internal team is going to continue to be virtual or get back to being in person. And so uh, I still think that that's uh, an ongoing challenge. I mean, I think, you know, other firms, EDG, right, you know, you're trying to figure out because I do like my team and being in person. Uh, mm-hmm. But so what, what I found so, interesting that we started meeting together um, every two weeks before COVID, right? And then we rolled into COVID and it was like, okay, let's make it virtual. Right. And we found that so that Fine is Blue and EDG meet every Friday now from 930 to 10, you be- all you virtual. Became a habit. Well, it not only became a habit, it came weekly instead of every two weeks. And we went, you know, it's like one half hour, we're in, we're out, we're done, and we just keep each other informed of how we're working on projects together. So that's one of the things that I think has been very valuable. Yeah, and the duration, the focus, it's funny. I think that, like you said, you know, there's some real benefits there. We we do the with the weekly call with Akron, you know, those used to be like an hour. And now within 20 to 30 minutes. So even though we have eight people on the call, we the stuff we do and the focus, I think everybody's kind of adapting to even being more focused, efficient, and making those things happen. And it's, I mean, while it's nice to come your beautiful office and have a coffee and the entry you know those things takes a lot more time yeah yeah i've got right so um. yeah absolutely uh looking for those silver linings always you know and if COVID had one maybe that's maybe that's it if it had one right (laughs) so i i I see on your website you've got a series of webinars and um i'm wondering if you can tell our audience a little bit about what they'd learn if they were to attend yeah so uh at least uh this year so far the initial focus has been on uh, water quality operations and trying to provide some background subject matter, some of the examples and things that uh, some of these successful case studies where, you know, Akron, Finley, these cities have done, you know, kind of implement this process. And usually in the context of uh, a water quality specific thing. So now as we've looked moving forward, uh, we have uh, partners that uh, whether like EDG or where we can actually talk about where there's sort of a co-successful team approach of, you know, Fontas doesn't do everything, right? And you still need, right. you know, these other services. And so we we vet our partners very heavily, right? I mean, we must, uh, obviously they must be professionally competent, but I also think they need to be good people. And so <laughs> it's easy to say or whatever, but uh, so we're not just looking for business, looking for, for good partnerships. So we started to talk about how do we co-present those skill sets. I still always prefer, I grew up in Iowa, it's close to Missouri, the show me state that we do something successful together. And then that's what we can talk about in the webinar rather than what we think will work. You know, So Correct. I think that that was probably another reason why we increased the frequency of our meetings and getting towards, you know, because um, uh, oftentimes we're doing work for a client. It's just real easy then to like, how do we actually make that a little bit synergistic, not for our benefit, but the client's benefit, sure. right? You're considering aspects, things that could benefit. And so I think just having more of those conversations. And so, so that's one of the things, and I know, um, uh, we're going to present a few of those. And then I think uh, if looking even further down, one of the things that we try to do is uh, our utility managers are bombarded with lots of solutions. And mm-hmm. these aren't uh, 
uh, technical, I mean, consulting solutions. These are, you know, buy this probe, buy this software. This, So we try to help vet some of that for them and bring some of these solutions in and do a, again, they can do the presentation, but we usually are, you know, kind of vetted to make sure that it's yeah. cost effective. They, you know, some of that due diligence that sure. they normally would do, we can do that for them and do some of those co-presentations. So I think rolling out towards the end of the year, um, and again, that just makes it more efficient for the communities. They get bombarded. You know, they have a process for vetting. We can if we can take some of that headache or burden in a friendly environment. I think that's where the webinars uh, as we look to the future. Absolutely, very. Right, and I've attended a few of the webinars, and what I like about them is that it's a lot of practical information mm-hmm. that I think is very helpful for any community. And anyone in the water business, not just, you know, not just right. not the operators. Yeah. So I think that's been, that's my experience. It's probably sort of that teaching philosophy is that uh, I'm not a, I mean, the books are important, but ultimately these engineers have to actually go out and do things. So we try to work from real world situations. It seems cliche, but so even in these webinars, the data and information we present is, you know, from small communities, large communities where they've had these challenges and, you know, so and again, that may not seem really new, but has that teaching bent to it or oriented so that to try and make it as applicable rather than highlighting what what we do is highlighting what's really possible without, you know, necessarily a huge amount of effort. I mean, you know. So. Nice, a collaborative approach. Yeah. Right, and as they build up, as Find as Blue has grown, it's been amazing watching because we've been talking to you, working with you off and on, seriously now for about a year, year and a half, but even before then. And the the body of work has increased to the point where they do have so many examples mm-hmm. for so many different size uh, systems that I think it's very – these webinars are so beneficial because if, if, if it's out there, they've probably seen it. Is that fair? Yeah. 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 Okay. Very good. So, you know, you're – you're a college professor, own a company. Um, what, so, you know, what are two or three of your uh, proudest professional accomplishments as a leader in the community, uh, as you are? I know you are very involved with a lot of volunteer, as well as your, your business and your, and your work at the university. Yeah, so I think that uh, kind of do a couple university-related ones. One is that uh, uh, it seems like one of my – favorite things being a professor there was being the faculty advisor for the American Society of Civil Engineers student chapter. And in that role, uh, you know, Renee Wittenberger works for EDGs. She was a former president of that group. I, you know, was able to interact with what I consider some of the best of the best, you know, these students, and they actually kind of instilled a motivation in me. Well, uh, I, we worked really, really hard at wanting to be the best chapter in the country. This is out of over 200, 250, and this isn't a popularity contest. There's a very rigorous process. Um, And in 2012, we were voted the best. We won what's called the Ridgeway Award as the best student chapter in in the United States. Wow, that's great. And that legacy goes back before I was even at Akron. There's, you know, some people that really push that in. Um, So I'm proud to have been part of that, and I think kind of a key... I got involved in some of the national things to know what the standard was, you know, and what those other 
uh, locations, uh, West Point, uh, these you mm. know institutions that were winning to kind of see what it took, and then we already had the raw materials of the students, if you will, that could deliver on that. So that that's uh, I think is pretty important, and I can almost name past presidents. You know, then you know the again a lot of these engineers that are in the community. Um, one thing I did observe out of that, that which leads into my next accomplishment, is that it seemed like the best leaders were women. So and I'm not catering here, you do Tammy or whatever, but is <laughs> it you it. know is it? <laughs> and again, like Renee, right? I mean, she's sure. a rock star. She actually encouraged me by. The, I'm give too much kudos to Renee. I um, uh, was about 48. She's like, why don't you run half marathons? You know how Renee is, right? You know, oh, yeah. like, I never even <laughs> thought of that, right? And so ended up running half marathons for about five or seven <laughs> years. So uh, kind of goes around, comes around. She motivated me to kind of do something better. But uh, my PhD students, the last three that I've advised and graduated are all women. And the fourth one she defends in a couple of weeks is a woman. I have the highest percentage in the 100 plus year history of Akron of PhD students that are women that I've advised, been the lead advisor on. I think part of that influence is having two daughters um, uh, that are now uh, 18 and uh, 16. But in a field that doesn't have much diversity, that's uh, and um, so I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, as relative to Fontes Blue, I think what we've been talking about is really, uh, again, the city of Akron, best lead results in the history, 92, and continuing to do that. And uh, so that's having a big in impact. And I think finally, uh, just being one of the small cog in Akron, being a leader in water and wastewater in general and wanting to put itself on the map. I know that uh, South Bend, Indiana, with Mayor Pete now, Transportation Secretary, mm -hmm. right, Buttigieg, uh, got a lot of kudos for their smart sewer system, and Akron adopted some of that. I think that, though, when you really put things on the board and look at, you know, all the way down in the leadership of the city, uh, I think Akron's a leader, uh, a true leader in, in this industry. And I think that being a small part of that and working with all the other people that, you know, have been part of that. Yeah, it's been pretty exciting. That's oh, really good to hear. I know. Um, I love that you mentioned your daughters and, you know, trying to sort of carve out a path for them or, you know, really letting them carve out their own path, really. And uh, and Renee, I agree. She's a rock star. So I, I just want to find out, you know, we were all trying to navigate our way out of COVID and, you know, into whatever that next thing is and whatever that looks like. Um, how is Fontes Blue positioning itself for the future and what can we look forward to in the next few years? So I think think covered a decent amount of ground relative to being an embedded virtual team member. So we uh, we think that, that we hear a lot about in this industry, a lot of people are going to be retiring in water and wastewater. And uh, so it was easy to think about, yeah, how are we going to kind of meet that gap? And I know there's a lot of initiatives to making working in the industry attractive and those things. But so I think we're really going to double and triple down on what does – a virtual coach embedded team member look like and um, it's new it's disruptive right uh, but I think it makes makes a lot of sense um, of course I do that's what we're gonna you know trying to say <laughs> but so I think that we're gonna really double and triple down on that and probably lean on um, I don't like to toot my own horn I've won the college teacher of the year award twice at Akron. And so I think my ability to teach and coach and mentor is actually, so we're trying 
those learned over 25 plus years skill set try and translate into that virtual environment. Yeah. Uh, really, again, double, triple down on that. And then I think that uh, we we seem to have kind of a synergistic approach to uh, trying to grow Fontas. Uh, we it's a little bit been kind of grassroots, but I think if we're going to really have an impact, I think that we're starting these active discussions between other, uh, let's say, smaller software companies, Midwest focused. You know, kind of get the smaller community and want to serve that population. Um, figuring out a way to merge together and uh, be something bigger. So um, it'd be nice to say, well, we could just kind of do it on our own, but that's really the biggest things I've ever done have always been in collaboration. So we're, we are really, and we have some companies that we may not be the big fish in that group, but I think we'd be an important element in that group. So uh, some companies that have pretty good footprints, thousand utilities, but the Actually, an Ohio-based company uh, that's doing software for you know, and we'd like you know, those are active conversations, and those aren't just like business conversations. Those are saying, "Hey, how do we again make an impact and do it quickly and fast, and you know, figure out a way to do it together." Perfect. How can our listeners find out more about Fontas Blue and your initiatives, and possibly even sign up for one of your webinars? Awesome. Yeah. So. Uh, our website is fontusblue.com, F-O-N-T-U-S-B-L-U-E.com. Uh, on there is a resources tab where we have the webinars. Uh, we will in the future have a newsletter and that type of thing. You can also, of course, find Chris Miller, Fontus Blue at LinkedIn and, uh, uh, you know, connect. We like try to connect with as many uh, community leaders as possible and so they can kind of just through the normal uh, channels there hear what we're doing. Awesome. Thanks for that. So, Chris, um, this is more of a fun question. Can you share with Tammy and I um, some something that you plan to do in 2021 that it, now that we're kind of getting out of COVID, it feels like we're getting out of COVID, what could be on a bucket list or just something you want to do that you haven't had a chance to do for the last year and a half? Yeah, so my wife and I love to travel. I mean, like, love to travel. Like, it's sort of part of, uh, you know, every year – and again, fortunately, with water having to go where people do the best water practices, we were fortunate to go to Tel Aviv four nice. years ago in Israel and, you know, watch the sunset in the Mediterranean. And so uh, we just started looking at going to Ireland now. So I can't really call it a bucket because we've been to Ireland, but we're so starved for happy people and culture <laughs> and getting out that uh, we now last time we went, we made our. We bought our tickets and made our plans eight days before we left, if oh, that man. tells you anything about it. So we, how we roll, that's wow. not how she wanted to roll, but that's how we roll. So, yeah, so I, we're, we're, we're targeting probably Ireland, perhaps London, um, and then even we just like to go back up to Canada. So hopefully mm -hmm. these travel restrictions, I know Canada still seems to be a little 14 days, you know, that. but so definitely looking to get back out into the, to the travel world. Very good. That that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We need to start booking those flights, Dave. Oh, I think we all are. <laughs> Let's yeah. book it today, and we can leave in eight days, right, Chris? Exactly. Yeah, that's why I said it does. It's it's possible, and, and even book the tours. It's very very easy. So, well, thank you for joining us today, Chris. I know I learned a lot, and uh, it was really nice to hear kind of what your hopes and dreams are for Fontas Blue into the future. And hopefully, we'll see you back as a guest another time. 
Fantastic. Again, thanks again. Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate it.